Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch on this very special day because today is Ireland Reads Day and with it in mind, the whole show today is about books and reading and all associated matters. We have a great line-up for you, I promise you. I want to begin today, though, by reading something to you myself and these words were written a long time ago and published for the first time on the 24th of April 1916. The Irish Republic is entitled to and hereby claims the allegiance of every Irishman and Irish woman. The Republic guarantees religious and civil liberty, equal rights and equal opportunities to all its citizens and declares its resolve to pursue the happiness and prosperity of the whole nation and of all its parts, cherishing all the children of the nation equally. That's an extract from... The Proclamation, which was read for the first time, as I said, on April 24th, 1916. And I wanted to start today with those words in the context of the pandemic. And to say that we failed through the generations to live up to those fine aspirations. When you think of all that we've gone through in this country and things like the abuse scandals, the mother and baby homes, The banking collapse and crisis and the way we were thrown into chaos with that. And many, many more. There are just a few that come to mind. But I say today again to you that we must always keep those words and this proclamation in focus. Because today they ring true, as true as they did on the 24th of April 1916. And it's important that we never lose sight of them. Welcome to Late Lunch today. What a lineup we have for you. We have a young poet. Oh, she's brilliant. Maisie Kelly is joining us later on in the show. We're going to a bookshop. We're visiting the library. Uh, the Diane of Irish authors, Patricia Scanlon, is with us. Brilliant children's author, Erica McGann, is here as well. And we're talking to a man, listen to this, who didn't learn to read until he was 57 years of age. Wow. But we begin today with the Diane of Books on Late Lunch because she is our book club reviewer and I'm delighted to say hello again to Margaret Madden. Hello, Margaret. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks again for joining us on the show. Oh, and listen, I forgot to get Margaret, forgot to mention this, Margaret. You know this. I want listeners today to get in touch with us and tell us, 
Tell us, what is your favourite book of all time? Come on, let me know. Tell me what your favourite book of all time is because I have five brilliant books, including Margaret's Book of the Month, which you'll hear about in a moment, to give away. And we'll throw a snood in with the books as well to everybody. Book and a snood for everybody. OK, so that's the deal today. Five prizes. What's your favourite book of all time? Text or WhatsApp me to 086-1800-658, just with the name of the book and your name and details, and we'll pick five winners before the end of the show. Margaret, your book of the month. Come on, I can't wait. This is <laughs> it is Kira Garrity's Make Yourself at Home. And I have it sitting here beside me and I'm going to give it away to a listener. Why will somebody absolutely love this book when they get it and read it, Margaret? Oh, this is just fabulous. I read it in one sitting. Actually, in fairness, I, I tell a lie. I did sleep. I had to sleep. But then <laughs> when I woke up, I picked it up again. Um, it's a fantastic story about a woman called Marianne who, um, like many people at the moment, has had to move back to her family home. Um, she is in her 30s um, her husband is leaving her and the house the, she hasn't managed to keep up payments on the house and it's time for her to go back home a home that she fled at 15 um, following a traumatic um, event and herself and her estranged mother are all, all of a sudden thrown back together in um, Anne Care, the family home which is on, it's based on, on a cliff on the north county coastline you know um so it's a kind of wild and wonderful setting for a wild and wonderful story mm, and the mother she is an eccentric like the family themselves yeah. <laughs> you know i can only imagine uh, you know having a good feel for this book how life was for marianne growing up and here she is after all these years and establishing her own life elsewhere as you say like many people have today margaret arriving back home and that trying to reassimilate back in oh it's something else isn't it yeah, I can speak from experience because my eldest, my 31-year-old has just moved back home. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's, uh, it, it takes a bit of acclimatising too, all right. But this is fabulous. And, and going back to, to Marianne's childhood, Rita and her father were both alcoholics. Mm. So she grew up in, you know, and surrounded by wild and wonderful people, but not parenting people at all. No. Um, uh, now Rita is a recovering alcoholic and has... Uh, a, an absolutely amazing group of friends who are also recovering addicts that come to the house for their kind of daily meetings, a bit like AA, but she she calls it something else, something like the do-gooders or the get-betterers or something like that. And they have all diverse characters all mixed together and Marianne just wants to be left alone. So you're you're drawn into this amazing home with a fabulous atmosphere, um, great backstory to it. And I, I could not fault it. Yeah, okay. So the relationship between mother and returning daughter and all else that surrounds that makes this book brilliant. So it is Margaret Madden's book of the month. It's called Make Yourself at Home by Kira Garrity. And I have a copy to give away. All you have to do, and I have four more great books as well, is tell me what is your favourite book of all time to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now we move on. Fiction. I like this book. And uh, my God, Margaret, you'll need the tissues beside you when you read this one. Tell us what it is. This one is uh, 10 Days by Austin Duffy, a Dundalk man. Yes. And the book, like, it really is a tearjerker, Margaret. It is, but it's so beautifully written that you don't even realise that your emotions are being pulled out all the time. Um, it's the story, basically, of Wolf, um, who his recently estranged wife, Marion, ha- um, passes away. 
and he has to go back and kind of collect their daughter, who's who's a, t- um, a teenager, mm. Ruth, and and they want they want to scatter um, Miriam's ashes in the Hudson River, where she's originally from. Mm. Um, but Miriam's family are conservative Jews and are really not happy about this at all. Uh, you know about the, the way they're they're burying her as such. So it's basically the journey: the father rediscovering the son or the daughter, rather, um, how they travel over to um, Manhattan, um, embrace themselves in the Jewish life, and um, start kind of questioning their relationship. But it's kind of, um, there's there's a bit of muddling in it because the the narrator, Wolf, seems to be slipping back in and out of time and and kind of doesn't realise where he is a lot. And you kind of realise fairly soon on that he's he's in the early stages of dementia. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's where your heartstrings start to. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. can see his gradual um, declining. Mm. Um, when when he's trying you... to bond with his daughter, and it's just beautifully done. Yeah, I was going to say that. You know, estranged the daughter, the wife dying, the family in the US, and then a second whammy when you realise that Wolf is deteriorating himself. How much time has he left? How will that relationship develop in the short time? Oh, it's emotional. But I, I, you're right in what you say as well. The way it is written, actually, is, uh, you know, you have the wonder and beauty of New York in there, uh, the Jewish traditions, and uh, all that adds, and as you say, lifts the book as well. Absolutely. That's what I love. I actually loved the comparison of the Jewish traditions and say what we're used to here in Ireland. Mm. And the different personalities bouncing off each other, and um, and basically the whole story is about family bonds, um, yeah. no matter where in the world you are. Yeah, no, it's a lovely book. It really is, and it is uh, has a huge local connection. Austin Duffy from Dundalk. It's called. 10 Days and it's Margaret's recommendation in her fiction category this month. Now you've gone to young adults or you must be feeling young at heart when you were reading this one, were you? I was. I kind of, I picked it up, I thought thought it sounded like a thriller um, to be fair, um, because it's described at the beginning that a mother leaves her 12-year-old daughter at the side of the road um, after an argument and and drives off and leaves her there. And Basically this book will tell you what happens afterwards. So I was like, ooh, you know, we'll pick that up. It's not really... That, yes, that happens, but it only unfolds the story of a family, yeah. the Gallagher family in 1980s America. Um, and Ellen is pushed out of the car. How many times have, have I said as a mother, loads, get, if you don't stop that mess yes. in the back, I'm going to pull over and leave you at the side of the road. Now, <laughs> we've never actually done But the Gallaghers did. The Gallaghers did. The they threw her out. Yeah, but um, she went missing. Um, not for a long period of time, but something happened that starts off a chain of events. And the, the narrator is Libby, her 15-year-old sister. Um, so you get to, to delve into this Gallagher family and their dysfunctional aspects. They've, oh, they're all over the place. They really are. But it's really cleverly written by Una Mannion. Um, really, really an addictive read, I would say, despite the fact that it wasn't a thriller. I'd call it more of a coming of age. Yes. But she uses nature and history and atmosphere very, very well. A Crooked Tree is called, yeah. Um, a Crooked Tree is the name of the book and it's a debut novel for Una, Una Mannion. Uh, with all your experience, as a debut, it's it's a fine piece of work, you'd Absolutely, say. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Una has been published before, I think, yeah. in a short story for yes, yes. Stuff, but this is her first novel and she's really, really knocked it out of the park. Mm, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned and we've been talking a bit about families and relationships and dysfunction and it, it runs through this again. There's five Gallagher children and really 
the parents are AWL a lot of the time. They have to rear themselves, don't they, more or less? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the kids are looking after themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really sad reading some of the things that they have to do for themselves. And um, they hide it from everybody. At one stage, Libby did try and tell a teacher about it, I think, but um, a nun, um, it didn't go down well with the mother at all. So they just kind of keep themselves in, mm. in this kind of forest. Yeah, A, a lot of... Uh themes there that uh, we hear about in real life at the moment. So A Crooked Tree is the young adult book that Margaret is recommending this month. Now, um, you you go back and you look at something from a a while ago and you've gone back quite a distance and quite recently as well. You've gone for a memoir this time. Yeah, I love an old memoir, don't you? Yes, I do, because uh, once they're written like this one is, this is no holds barred, isn't it, Margaret? It's straight to the point. It gets straight into it. It's me by Elton John. Um, you know, he's known for his tiaras and tantrums. Does it come through in this? Does he admit that that is him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, he no holds barred. He tells you everything. I mean, literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, don't be expecting a censored version um, of his escapades. You'll get, you'll get the truth. I would imagine, you know, with memoir, and it's, if it's written by them, you have to remember that it's just one side of the story. Mm. You really do. You always have to keep that in the back of your mind. And I did as I was reading through it, you know, especially with his relationships with, say, George Michael and Princess Diana and all that. You know, you are yes. one side of the story. Mm. But it's great fun. It's like one mad big, you know, party with a feather boa from the, from page one, really. You know, it's it's great. Now, it's also, there's moments that are so sad, you know, so when they're talking about... Um, when AIDS is discovered and, and yeah. um, our people's reactions to the homosexual community. Um, he talks about his very difficult childhood, his relationship with his father, and then his, as an adult, his extremely strange relationship with his mother, um, about his first marriage to a woman, that, that divorce, then moving on and, and being very openly gay, and then his second marriage and then um, his children. Everything is in there. Mm, so well worth to read this book. Yeah. Uh, it's all there for you. It's called Me by Elton John and it's a, a memoir and, of course, Reg Dwight. I could have asked that as a question as well. Reg Dwight is his real name, Elton John's stage name, of course, and he's still performing away and we wish him well. Yeah. Now, what did we say to you today on, on Ireland Reads Day? Did I put you on the spot or I'm going to put you on the spot, aren't I? You're just so secretary. Yeah, well, you see... What are your favourite books yeah, of all time? And I know for you, this is most difficult because <laughs> you have read so much, you've put so many books through your hands, you're so well regarded in the world of reviewing books. It's an awful ask to ask you, but could you pick three if I gave you a little bit of scope there? I know you've been thinking about this and you said to me, oh, this is going to be near impossible. Go on, okay. throw three at us that you would say, you must read these. Oh, five written down here in front of me. Come on um, then, if you want to run through them quickly, you're not reviewing them or anything, just no. give them to us. In reverse order from 54321. Go on, I'll put you on the spot again. Okay, I'm going to say The Snapper by Roddy Doyle. Okay, number five, that's your uh, fifth. Yeah, uh, The Colour Purple by Alice Walker. Oh yes, lovely, yeah. Uh, the Thing About December by Donald Ryan. One of your very favourite uh, writers really, mm-hmm. Donald, he's fantastic. Okay, go on. Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen, always go back to it. Wow, and you're going back in history there. And finally, at number one from Margaret Madden, this Ireland Reads Day. I think you could probably guess this one. I mentioned a lot. It's Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. There you go. You have two absolutely classics there in your top five pick. It just shows you 
Brilliant writing, writing, wonderful authors, Margaret. They're timeless. They really are timeless. I just want to throw in, and here I am breaking the breaking. Go on. I want to throw in City Girl by Patricia Scanlon. She changed my whole attitude to reading uh, female writers when that came out. I still read it again and again. It was our first. Yes. It was the start of it. It was a game changer in Ireland. A game changer. There you go. And you know, she's with me after two o'clock today. Yeah, Yeah. Sylvia, I'll mention you to her uh, when when we are talking. So there you are, City Girl, Patricia Scanlon, coming up on Late Lunch here this afternoon after two o'clock. You're fantastic. Just remind people again, your book of the month is? Is Make Yourself at Home by Kira Garrity. There you are, folks. You won't go wrong. Margaret, till the next time, thank you so much indeed. Happy reading. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The brilliant Margaret Madden there who reviews for us on the show each month. We love her to bits. Now, this one, there's not one, there's loads of them in, but I'll just read this one. Uh, Jerry, uh, The Midnight Library I read recently, it's fantastic, says a listener, but I'd have to say Life of Pi is my favourite book of all time. They're flying into me here. You didn't give me your name or details. Put your name or details with the WhatsApp or text. What's your favourite book of all time? We have snoods, we have books to give away. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now. Jerry, you work a lot with books. What's your favourite, says a listener? I will tell you. I'll let you know during the afternoon. I have picked out a couple and I have them there. Being Becoming Michelle Obama, says Aoife Walsh. Oh, great book, Aoife, yes. The Nothing Man, wonderful, Teresa Farrell mentions there. And they're flying into me. Keep them coming. I have five great books to give away. So that'll be five winners today. Books and a snood thrown in with each as well. If you tell me, what's your favourite book of all time? 86 1800 WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now we're moving on on late lunch and we're going to talk to our first author of the afternoon. She's originally from Drogheda and she's prolific and she's loved by young people up and down the country and beyond. I'm delighted to say hello again to Erica McGann. Hello, Erica. Hiya, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for taking our call on this very special day, Ireland Reads. As you know, it's all about books, authors, libraries, you name it, on late lunch this afternoon. Well, 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 I was just looking at the repertoire of books that you've written. Erica, you're just something else. How do you do it? Thanks very much. I just do, That's all I do all the time. Just write all the time. <laughs> It's great to do it. It's a great job altogether. You know, when you were a child, let me ask you this. Who did you read as a youngster? Um, I was really, really into, um, well, a whole bunch of the classics, but I remember the the worst witch books I loved. I remembered it recently because my niece kind of got old enough to read them. So I got all excited about getting her the new edition. So I remember those. They were gorgeous. And um, and I think in recently, I said recently, but it was actually before lockdown. So it was a year ago now where I found my old copies of... uh, the Lavender books um, by June Considine that I read as a kid, found them in my mum's house. So I'm thinking when we're, when we're allowed visit again, I'm going to I'm going to earth them out and take them back. I think because um, they were fabulous. They were kind of scary, creepy, yeah. creepy, scary books. The Lavender ones and, and then did, stuff like Roald Dahl and Charlotte's Web and Dig of the Dump and Secret Garden, like all that classic stuff. Yes, all that stuff. And 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 they they obviously influenced you. Did it? Did you at a young age? Say, are we, you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you before when you were with me here in the studio, you know, in school, at home, growing up. Was this on your mind, in your mind's eye? I want to write myself. I want to be an author. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I ended up, I abandoned it in my teens for other things and then came back to it. But when I was growing up, yeah, absolutely. And I had this, I always tell people, I never know if it's a good story or a bad story, but my parents got me this huge uh, hardback notebook. It was like this great big kind of beast of a book. Um, and they paid me to write. And I think they were really, really excited about this whole writing thing. They wanted to encourage me. So they paid me, I think at the time, 10 pence a day in old Irish money. 
to write and it's write anything I wanted in it. And it was great. It was like, it was a great bit of cash. I think it amounted to more than my pocket money if I did it every day. It was great. And it, yeah, definitely. It obviously instilled something. It worked for later on. I'm laughing here because I have never heard that being a method to encourage somebody or oh, pay pocket money before in my life. I think it's brilliant. The McGanns are such clever people. They really are. Okay, sure. it, was, it was always done at our house. I think my sister was paid to play particular pieces on the piano. Like they were very good like, for artistic endeavours. Like. Yes, you know, uh, incentives. Yeah, it was great. Well, look, it's paid dividends. Look at the uh, look at the wonderful crew that you are now at this stage. Um, you you know your first foray, the first book. Talk to me about your first book that was published. Which one was it? That was the Demon Notebook. So that was way back in twenty twelve, I think. And um, yeah, that was my first book, and it was written. It was the first time I kind of thought about writing. I hadn't written since I was a child, and I think I was twenty eight or twenty nine or something. And I just had this story. I wanted to write about me and my friends in school. I went to just across the road from you, um, St. Oliver's yeah. Secondary School, and a great group of friends I'm still close with now. And we were all into, like, you know, the, the cult and witchcraft and ghosts and demons and all this sort of stuff. Um, I just remember it being a great time. Like, it was really, really fun. So I wanted to write um, a kind of story around that. And that's how the, the first book came about. And I literally, I had no experience of writing. I hadn't written a short story, hadn't written anything since school. And I just decided kind of sit down and write it and I did and it worked out great and you, of course the demon notebook was the uh, the first of a series involving Grace and her four friends and I know I spoke yeah. to you about Cass and the Bubble Street Gang series there was a number in that as well M- more of your recent stuff though I have to say it's beautiful and you've you, you're working with Jerry Daly now tell me about this yeah so we started um, my, myself and Jerry I came on to work with him on um, our first book together which is um, Where Are You Puffling and he'd actually written um, the Skelly book with his, his uncle, Sean. And unfortunately, um, Sean died before the book was kind of oh. got picked up by a publisher and taken. So I kind of came on with, uh, with Jerry to rework it a little bit. And that became our first book together. And then we did um, the We, uh, we Donkey's Treasure Hunt, which was published just uh, last year. And then we actually have a second follow-up to the Puffling book coming this year. And Jerry himself has uh, a book out just this week, actually. It was just published this week. Um, Finn's first song which is gorgeous if anybody hasn't seen that definitely check it out Okay. Um, about a little whale who, who mm. leaves his sad song in the ocean and has to make oh. it on this beautiful beautiful book so yeah so myself and Jerry are now kind of working away great it's, it's kind of yes. a great partnership yes and I see an Irish uh, one there as well called Will yeah. Puff and Bjog yeah that's my first sorry I was all excited um, so it's lovely and to be honest if I'm perfectly perfectly honest it's about the Irish language level I have picture books so I was able to read that one um, but yeah, my Irish definitely has to improve if I'm to if I'm to do uh, anything later on. So it was Murray Nikiavon who who translated that one, and it's lovely. It's just lovely to have something in Irish, and it means that like yes. if anybody's looking for you know particular you know want to read more Irish books, um, you know that that stuff is out there as well. So it's great I to have it. believe you're going in the right direction, and that's the way to start. The way you are there, but it's beautiful as well. And you know, you, you the writing is marvelous. Don't, doesn't the illustrations though they they they, they work you know uh, hand and foot you know together exactly yeah and his stuff is so great and we did, we did for the for the wee donkey book and um, they're so detailed he puts in so much stuff and he actually put all of us in like myself the editor all of my nieces and nephews are in it he drew us all into the crowd. So we kind of, when I'm reading it, my nieces and nephews, they get to kind of pick themselves out in the book and everything. It's wonderful. It's It's been great. It's absolutely lovely. Now, 
Children's is your forte and that's where you uh, enjoy working yourself and you have a huge following of young people as well. Do you have an ambition to move outside of the children's genre ever and, and go another road? I, I mean, I sometimes get a, kind of a, a, an idea here and there. I love working with the kids stuff and I don't, maybe someday I'd write for kind of adults as well, but maybe something else, maybe script writing or something like that instead. I kind of, I do like the idea of it. I think of it from time to time, but there's so much in the kids stuff and there's so many age levels that you kind of, it's, and it's, you know, it's a different project when you're writing for different age levels. It's a totally new challenge. And so there's so much in there to kind of cover. I always end up getting excited about some other kids book, I think of, and then I, I forget what I think of it. <laughs> yes. So maybe someday I'll get around to yeah. it. But um, for the moment, no, there's so much in kids books. I can't see myself kind of moving off it for the next while. This last year, don't have to say to you, I'm tired repeating this to people. Well, what do you think when you reflect on it? But hasn't reading and books come back, you know, right in focus because the escapism in books, you know, when you need to occupy the mind, it is just perfect, Erica. It absolutely is. Like, it's such... And I find a lot for the last year, I've been rereading a lot of, like, the cosy stuff, my really comfortable stuff that I loved, you know, uh, stuff you read when you were when you were a kid or stuff that I just loved and was just a comfortable read so I find myself yeah when you just need to escape you just need to relax and take a break and I suppose that's what today is all about it's just about like taking a few minutes for just something you enjoy to just curl up and just not think about everything else we've had to think about for the last year it's just to enjoy it and take some time for yourself and it's definitely been I mean god I don't know like books kind of took off it was one of the industries that kind of kept going last year because People just, you, you want to read when you're home, you're stuck at home, you you know, there's TV and all of that, but yes. there's nothing quite like curling up with a book for like that cosy, comforting feeling. So yeah, I think it's been a lifesaver this year and it's and it will continue to be this year. You know, it's just, it's so important for everybody. It is. And that's why today is so great. It's just reminding everybody, like, just take that time for yourself. And whatever, like, whatever format it is, whether it's a physical book or an audio book or an e-book or an activity book or just something that makes you happy, just take a break and... and take some time pick for it. it up and read in two words or three before I let you go if there's one book you'd recommend to listeners to read today what is it Erica McGann oh my god um, I would say you know what try out the Boots series by Shane Hegarty I keep buying them yes. for everybody else and not for myself and they just sound so warm and lovely and uplifting I would say go for it lovely lovely Erica God bless you keep doing what you're doing thanks a million Jerry bye my oh my thank you so much to everybody who's sending me in details of your favourite books you're all in the hat there are five wonderful books to give away today plus a snood with each of them just an example of some of the books and titles you're sending to me Margaret Riley says she loved the thorn boards the thorn birds uh, the boy in the striped pyjamas oh wonderful book uh, coming in there from a listener today Jackie Newman the girl on the train in God's name I remember that one by David Yallop Peter Waltz was about the uh, sudden death of Pope John Paul I, Beyond the Line by Mary Cassidy. Yes, a recent book, and I interviewed her just before Christmas, is Bernie Weldon and The Island by Victoria Hislop, says Susan McCauley. And on they go. Keep them coming to me. Your favourite book of all time, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, it all began in 1992 at City Girl and every new book since which is 20 plus have all enjoyed enormous success and garnered her a huge following of devoted readers she's simply a lovely woman who deserves all the love and affection that's come her way I'm delighted to say hello once more to Patricia Scanlon hello Patricia 
How are you, me old pal? <laughs> Isn't it just awful? I just put up on Twitter, I said, I can't believe it's a year since we saw each other. I was your last guest in the studio. You were? And, but we couldn't even hug each other then. No. And, and we haven't even been able to hug each other since. Oh, Patricia. Are you the great hugger? I oh. guess the hashtag, the great hugger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know something? You can only see me face now. It's nearly the colour of the cover of your latest book, to be honest with you, Bridget Dunn, as I sit here. But look, at you're too kind with your words. But let me ask you, how are you? Well, it's, it's been a rough couple of months, Jerry. even for me now, and I'm used to bits of roughness around the, the old bones, you know. But um, I had the hip replacement in November. Yeah. And then I had to... I, I went then for the examination, you see, and... Um, and I mean, I have a really lovely consultant. But, so he pressed the hip, this just before I had the hip replacement. He pe- he pressed uh, the leg sideways, and he said, and I went, oh, and he said, oh yeah, we'll have to do that hip. But he'd ha- had the X-ray anyway, and then he just decided he'd test the other leg where I'd had the um, other hip done four years ago. Mm. Well, Mother of Moses, I don't know what the man did. I think the is it something called menses or something. Mm. Men- meniscus or something. Meniscus, the meniscus. meniscus. Ah, there we yeah. have it. They went haywire. <laughs> oh my! And that was the end of them. So I had to get the knee done, oh. and uh, oh, and he did just say to me gently, he said, "This is a bit more painful than the hip," and he wasn't telling fibs. Yeah. Oh, it's a killer. Is it? Yeah. So you're recuperating at the moment. I'm I'm hobbling around on crutches, but look, I'm home. Good. I sat out in the garden today. It was gorgeous. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 because I'm an ambassador for the Ireland's Reads Day, you see. Yes. So. I said, right, I'll do a little video. You know the way all my peers are great at doing these videos. I know. Well, I did this video. All I can see is I was showing the pictures of my books, but all I could see was my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia, I'm in your club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think they got the message to go and sit out or sit in a, a nice little nook, a sunny nook at home, and just forget about the world. Yes. Pick up a book and have a read. Mm. You know, just actually, I find the sh- books of short stories are much easier to read. It's hard to concentrate sometimes the way that the head is gone. Yes, and yes. everybody is in in that um, boat. I think it's it's, it's oh, hard, Sherry. It's, it's hard, but look at look at Patricia. It is hard, and with the announcement on Monday again, you know, it's even harder uh, for people to contemplate another roughly six weeks. Yeah. But uh, the only thing the nights are getting the they stress, are the grand old stress. Yeah. There you are. And if you like, there's actually a teeny little bit of heat in the sun. Mm. So if you, if, you, if you look on those little things and try and comfort yourself from that point, that's what we got to do. Yeah. That's what and we got to do. Summer before we know. It yes, and it'll be out in your garden as well shortly, yeah. and that's all opening up as well. Out but look, at come back to this day. It's a wonderful concept, you know, and that's why when I when I thought, who am I going to ask as? And you were number one on the list. I want yeah. to talk to, and it's great that you are a supporter of this day because you see, I was saying earlier, Erica McGann on me with me there, the uh, children's author, yeah. and and we were just talking about this. You know, books have come back to the fore. Whatever way you get them, if you listen to them, if you read yeah. them on your tablet, whatever, Patricia. As long as you're yes. reading. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, I suppose I had the library background as well. And of I course. Mean, I just, like, my mother read uh, to us, and I think that's how my imagina- uh, imagination got triggered, to write. Um, because she used to read uh, the Patricia Lynch books to us. And The Grey Goose of Kilnevin was my favourite. It was about this, like, long before Harry Potter lived under the stairs, a little girl called Betsy lived under the stairs and um, she had a little grey goose. Sorry, a little girl called Sheila. Yeah. And she had a little grey goose. And now, I mean, it's not PC now, but she was um, 
the landlady of uh, she kept rooms and uh, Fat Maggie was her name with flaming red hair and a terrible temper and Fat Maggie sent Sheila off to um, go to even the name Bridgie Swallows for yes. a half a pound of butter mm. and the magical adventures that she had on the way but it was also it was so rural mm. it was the beautiful um, you know when the, the hiring fairs and everything were on the, the descriptions of rural Ireland um, in the 40s 30s and 40s was magical yeah. and um, I could see myself you know when they, the four of them, they, they met a, a ballad singer and a, a boy called Fergus and an old woman and they were out in a storm one night and they found this um, old cottage kind of and they brought in leaves and they had straw and, and they made their bed in the leaves and straw and I could I wanted to lie in a bed of leaves and straw Yes And I wanted to cook potatoes over a potato uh, over a fire and, and put a scattering of salt on it You could probably taste it, you know <laughs> Her way with words was amazing yes, yes And as a child so I remember listening to my mother reading and imagining all of this yeah you know and i think it triggers the imagination that's why we when when i worked in ballymun library of english library uh we used to have classes in nearly every hour to read aloud to them and yeah. kids love being read aloud oh my look i see my granddaughter yeah. and uh, he, he, the two of them even the littler one now when you read them look we haven't been able to but i'm yeah, thinking you know, back when we could when you're knee and you, I and know, you, I know. And I if know. you leave anything out, we'll be tired. They you notice it. Say that bit. Yes, <laughs> they just have it ingrained in yeah, there. Yeah. But look, one of your listeners has been on to me just to say there, love Patricia, have all our books. Would you ask her this, Jerry? Now look at you, have been prolific since that first one. Did you ever have writer's block they want to know? Just a little question there for you. Well, I have it right now. Do you? <laughs> You right do. now, you can tell her. <laughs> there you go. It is part and parcel. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, uh, the thing is, you know, what I would tend to do when I did have writer's block, um, you're stuck, you're saying, what am I going to write about? I go back. I go back. I always kind of, when I'm when I'm in the middle of a book, the way I do it is I go back to the chapter I wrote the previous day and I edit that and I work on that and that slowly gets you into the frame of mind to where you're going to progress to in the next chapter. Okay. So that's the way, I, that's the easiest way, it was always the easiest way for me to do it. Um, or else, um, and it was Dermot Bulger gave this great advice, um, have a one night stand. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what he meant by that was, um, just say you have a scene in your head <laughs> further on down in the book. Patricia, I'm gone, I'm gone here, Patricia. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gone down the wrong road with that thought altogether. <laughs> Well, if you've a scene in, in your head that's further on and you can't get to it, sometimes getting from A to B can be hard. Write the scene and, um, you know, just write and let it pour out of you. And um, it's like money in the bank then. You have that scene to get mm. to and it, it means that you've written as well. Yes, you know, so yes, I see. Little tricks. Yeah, little, there's little ways of doing it. Now, yeah. I'm going to put you in the spot in a moment because no. I am, I am, I'm doing this for most of the day today because like, I look at your repertoire books. I said, look at the plethora beginning with City Girl. But I want you to think for a moment. And while you're listening to this in a second, I want you to think if you were to pick one from your stable, just a moment. But I want you to, will you li- just listen to this first? Yeah. Have a listen to this. Here's Margaret Madden. I just want to throw in on here I am breaking the breaking the rules, but I want to throw in City Girl by Patricia Scannell. She changed my whole attitude to reading uh, female writers when that came out. I'd still read it again and again. It was our first. Yeah. It was and the it start was, of it. It was a game changer in Ireland. A game changer. 
Isn't that just something else? That's Margaret Madden speaking to me today at the start of the show about you. Ah, isn't that wonderful? I do love, I love when people say to me, oh, I'd love to read Devon, Caroline and Maggie, that they remember their names 30 Mm. years later. Yes, yes. And I will do. I I, I actually, it was listening to a podcast um, that Kira Garrity and Caroline Grace Cassidy did called The Book Birds, and your your listeners might be interested in, in listening to this podcast. Uh, because they're writing about books that they read in their 20s which are coming back to in their 40s. Okay. And they started with City Girl. And, I, you know, when I was listening to them, I went, gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. I forgot that it was quite dark, too. Yeah, but when you when you hear Margaret Madden, a renowned book reviewer, a book club woman, saying that you changed the course of things with that book, it, it is some tribute. Now, come on, in your stable, w- will it be that one if you were to pick one? Is it still City Girl? I, it, it's very hard, Jerry, because they're all different. I mean, you I love, love them Bridget. all, all your children. Bridget as well, you see. Yeah, Bridget was very different. Yeah, I finishing touches because it was the first one um, that I wrote after I'd left work, and I felt I was mm. a real writer. I loved that for that. Um, I loved Mirror Mirror. I don't. Know. <laughs> she loves them all. Look, let's just leave it at that. I, I allow you that. I'm going to allow you that. You love every one of them. I just want to remind listeners, and I do have it, and I'm giving it away today. It's out in paperback. The liberation of Bridget Dunn, which is what you were here for uh, last March with That's me when right. it came out first yeah, in hardback. But it's out in paperback yeah. now on the fourth of March, and I have a copy to give away in the competition that I'm running here today. When they tell me what their most favourite book of all time is, and let me tell you, you have been mentioned, City Girl, in yeah, the sure. listeners. Messages to me today, so there you are. Thank you, lovely listeners. Ah, listen, and they loyal readers, Jerry. Yes, you have. You have a load of them. Now, listen, I'm going to let you go because I'll tell you why. And you like this, I know. Coming up next on this day, because everything on late lunch is about books and reading. This very day, we're dedicating the show to it. Is a man who didn't learn to read till he was 57. No, now, that is a, a triumph and a triumph. A triumph, and I know you're a great advocate yeah. of literacy yeah, as course, well yeah. yourself. Well, listen, we'll talk again soon. God bless you. We'll talk and we'll hug. We and will. Thank you, Jerry. you're great. Take care, Patricia. Bye-bye, bye-bye. The wonderful Patricia Scanlon there and The Liberation of Bridget Dawn is one of those five books, if you tell me your best book. Yes, it's a remarkable story. Coming next on Late Lunch, Michael Duffy. Hello to the Gillespies, or from the Gillespies, by Monica McInerney, says Roseanne Yore from Carna Ross. One of my favourite books of all time, Jerry. Loved your recent interview with her. Thanks, Roseanne. Maeve Binchy Light a Penny Candle, says Sandra. Uh, the Tattooist of Auschwitz. Oh, unbelievable. Catherine Heaney, that's her favourite. And Christine, Christine Arkins. Hello, Christine, this afternoon. The Green Mile. Oh, what a book, what a movie it was. And on they go. We'll uh, let you know more great books from our listeners as we move through the afternoon. And I just want to say again, thank you for your support for myself and for Slav Vavro. 40 days and nights for Slav. I'm doing 40 days walking, at least 40 minutes each day. I'm doing five kilometres, actually. I just measured it now each day as I go along. And uh, I'm raising money for him. I'm donating for every kilometre I walk myself. And I've given the beer the uh, heave-ho for Lent. My saving there will go to the fund as well. And I thank you all for your kind support and encouragement. GoFundMe.com. Oxygen for Slav. He's three years on this cancer journey. And I really want to help him. I really do. And thank you again. Now, how do you get to the age of 57 and cope with everything without being able to read or write? Michael Duffy is joining me on Late Lunch. Hello, Michael. Hello. Thank you for taking our call today. Answer that question for me. How did you get by? 
Well, I suppose the way it was, I was good at ducking and diving and mm. the thing, things like that. And I diverted, I, if I was going to fill in a form or something like that, like taxi car or something like that, I'd ask someone to help me. I'd say I forgot my glasses or some, some lame excuse like that. And kept going on and things like that. But I'm, I'm talking about, we'd say, when I, when I was at school, it was in the late 50s, early 60s when yep. I left school. That kind, of, that kind of thing. I was in school at that time. So it was a different environment compared to what we're, we're recognising now. Mm. And did you just want to get out of school and, and go working? Was that the idea or had you to? Or what was your circumstances? Yeah, I hate it. I Excuse the I did not like school at the time because it was a completely different environment. And if you were good academically, you were great. Or our particular school, if you were good at football or soccer, you were brought to, to the forefront. If you were poor, you were put on the back. You were just one of the guys that, I oh, forget about that, laddie. It's no good or something like that. You know, you were yes. you were an elected by the system. Mm. But it didn't. It didn't stop you. You know in being successful in your working or business life, in your personal life, either with family, all that w- was good. Well, that was, it was it was OK, yeah. I left school at the age of 14, just coming up before before my 14th birthday. Yeah. And uh, I got a job working with a local farmer because they, you were underage and you couldn't get working in proper jobs, you know. And then when I moved on, I got to be 17, I got a job in a... A milk factory mm. in our local area in Kilishandra, and that was, that was the money was the money was good. Yes. And as I said before, it was back that time, and you didn't really. It was a manual job. You didn't really need much education to do it. If you could count up to ten or twenty, like I mean, you were you were counted quite good at the time. Mm. That was the environment that was there at that time. Yes. Now. But you married subsequently, and you travelled a lot, and you know. What about your, did your wife, did you talk ever about this to your wife, that I, I, I really, I'm not good at the reading or writing? Not really. It was a, an unspoken issue. Yeah. It just, my wife would do, she'd do out the forms that came in. We'd say, just go, go going to the States or something like that. She'd just do up the paperwork and all like that. And I just left it to her and she'd done it. And there was no way to talk, well, I can't do things like that. That didn't didn't really come into it at all. I just kept going on ahead and she kept doing all the paperwork which she was, which she was brilliant at and is still brilliant at. Mm. But that, that's how that's how it went on. You know, there's, there's way, like you have a skill in reading and writing and things like that, but you also get develop a skill to judge doing it. Yes, avoidance and uh, not avoidance. have... Yeah, not being... Uh, if, uh, caught in a situation that leaves you uncomfortable or whatever. So I'm back to that age, 57. What prompted you to actually finally grab the bull by the horns and... And go for it. Go for yes. it, yeah. Yeah, right. It happened, actually, it happened a wee bit by accident that I got back to into education. I, a friend, I got a, a laptop. Now, when I say... What really was, I used to hear people talking with say you're going on Facebook or you see such a thing on the on the internet or someone like that. And I hadn't a clue like I mean how to go in on Facebook. I knew what Facebook was, like I mean, from people talking about it, but I knew nothing about what how to click in and all like that. And I had a laptop for oh a year and a half or more sitting in our sitting room with a pile of stuff through on top of it. 
I took it out. There was a slash stopping in our local village, Gilishandra. And I decided, listen, I'm going to dig this out. I'm going to go in and do the course and get to know how to do it and be the same as everyone else. But I didn't know when I went in all manly and all with my laptop and under my arm that you had to prepare a portfolio for the course. Yeah. It was a QQI course. And there's where the, there's where the buggy, there's where the penny stopped with me. I was going to, I was going to pull out of the course like a minute and say, oh, look, I can't do this. I, I was going to make a lame excuse. But the tutor that was running the course was a very astute lady and she copped that I had literacy difficulties. And at that stage, this is where the thing really turned the corner. I was put on a one-to-one learning curve with a, with a mature student. And that, that was the first step that I got to know how to, to sort of learn how to read, yes. put it that way. Isn't that ironic? You know, like social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. They're wonderful platforms. They're destructive platforms, as you know as well, Michael. And we've seen that, uh, the, the negative side of it. But here is a, another positive. That, but for that, Facebook really is responsible for you. Taking, I know, yeah. yeah. It's responsible for a lot of things. But yeah. it, is, it is responsible for me getting back to education. Yes. I have to take my hat off to it. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. You see, what I was in a rut, put it that way, and I wasn't moving on with society. Society was moving on, but I was st- staying put. And that's what gave me the emphasis to move on and learn. What's and, it like? You know, when you think before and after, can you describe that, the feeling? Right. It, it opens up a whole new world to me, put it that way. Mm. We'd say, you, you think, before you learn how to read, before you learn, you think you were grand. You think you were fine. You're grand. You're, you know, when you're getting on in life and you go for a pint and you go on holidays and so on like that. But you don't know what you're missing until you learn how to read and how to, how to participate in conversation. Yes. We'd say, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. Uh, now, I'll give you just a, a typical example. I like reading about people's lives, autobiographies. At the minute, I'm reading Mary McAleese's story. Yeah. But we'd say just a simple thing, like a newspaper. Lift a newspaper and you read a particular thing, you know, forgive it, COVID. But you, you read a particular article about someone like that. You can go for it go for a pint or go for whenever we will go for a pint again. But when you go into eat someone, you can have an intelligent conversation about what you read in the, in the paper. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can you can move to the forefront. Before that, we'd say, someone would say, oh, did you see such a thing in the paper? Did you see something about Barry Johnson or so on like that? You know, I wouldn't have been fit to read the paper good enough to really grasped the full story. I wasn't fit to read the text. I was fit to read odd words in it. Yeah. But when you weren't fit to read the entire text, you didn't get the story. So therefore, you couldn't participate in, com- in uh, a conversation. Mm. So therefore, you felt a wee bit inadequate. Or yes, yes. Look at, look at the confidence it's given you, the knowledge that you have now that you get from reading and the ability to interact and engage with people. So look at... It goes on and on, all of the benefits. And you know, you're a a real example to people today. If anybody's listening to us and you're of any age, but even of an age as you move on in life, it is never too late, Michael. I'm sure you want to hammer that message home. It it is never too late. And what I would say to someone, if they have difficulty in reading, just a message out, 
you don't have to read it. It's not you don't have to read a book with five hundred pages in it. Just a little, a little magazine, a little thing. To, if you have an interest in some particular field, let it be antiques, let it be history, let it be stamp collection, whatever it is. You have an interest in something like that. Get a little book or little magazine about that, because a reading about something you have an interest in is is the key. Yeah, and I'm interested in reading about yes. people's lives, and that's the key for me. Since don't try and read. I don't try and. I remember when I sorry, I remember when one of the things I had to do in one of the courses in communication, we had to do a book review, mm. and I remember reading. I don't know whether you heard it, the boy in the striped pajamas. Yes, I read it. Yeah, well, maybe you liked it, but I could not stand it. No, tough. We book. had to we had to read it as part of the course to do the book review. Mm. And it was absolutely torture for me to read that book. It wasn't that it was hard to read. It was just the story. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I... I, I mean? that, yeah. that, that's what I'm emphasizing, that if somebody wants to learn how to read, learn how to read something you have a great interest in. There you are. That's words of wisdom. And I know you like Michael Harding as well, but it's uh, stories about people, as you said, you're reading uh, at the moment. You're fantastic. And uh, it's great encouragement to anybody listening to us today. And before you go, I will give the number for NALA, the National Adult Literacy Agency. They're on a free phone number, one 800 or you can text LEARN to 550. That's LEARN to 550, and they will look after you for sure. Quickly, before you say goodbye, recommend a book, one. Right. I, I, as I said, autobiographies. And the one I would recommend for anyone would be the autobiography of uh, Tony Ryan. The guy that set up Ryanair, the original founder of Ryanair. Great. He was an, ins- he was an inspiration. Michael O'Leary, okay, he done a fantastic book and all that, but he built on the success of Tony. Tony Ryan. Tony Ryan's autobiography, as recommended on Late Lunch today by the wonderful Michael Duffy. You're a star. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye, bye-bye, Michael Duffy there, learning to read at 57 years of age. The free phone number for NALA, 1-800-2020-65, or you can text LEARN to 550. Good to hear Paul Reid just now, CEO of the HSE, saying we're on track to deliver 100,000 vaccines this week. So it is ramping up, and uh, if the Johnson & Johnson gets the nod in Europe, I'd say we'll be up to a quarter of a million a week at least, and then we're really motoring over the coming weeks. The way out of this, folks, is vaccines. We've got to hold tight till as many people as possible are vaccinated. No matter what other noise or nonsense you hear, that's the scientific evidence, and I'm with the scientists, I have to say, all the way. God, you have some range of books that you love. We'll meet again by Colm Keane, says Theresa. Powerful book. It is Colm, a good friend of mine. Interviewed him here on a number of occasions with his books. Um, An Excess of Love by Cathy Cash Spellman, says Margaret Riley. All Patricia Scanlon's books. I love every one of them. I have them all, says Imelda Fogarty. Josie Gargan. Emma Hannigan is my number one. Ah, poor Emma. Lord of mercy now. God Almighty, what a lovely writer she was. The Matchmaker by Marti, uh, Martina, is it? Carolyn McKenna. Yes, but says Brendan Matthews. And Circle of Friends, Maeve Binchy, says Paula. Lots of people with loads of favourite books. I'll be back to it, I promise you. It is Ireland Reads Day and we're dedicating this whole show to this day and it's uh, under the auspices of the government's wellness programme at this time and we're heading to a bookshop now and I love her. She's great. Irene Gahan from Academy Books in Southgate. Hello again. 
Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? Ah, uh, well, look at do you ever get fed up talking about books or reading books or being immersed in books? Tell me honestly, not Irene. I thought having a book, not at all. I thought having a bookshop, I would actually end up with more books to read. Just I now I've got less time to read them. But no, no, no. My to be read pile is just like it's, it's extended now into the spare room. So. <laughs> <laughs> love talking about books and it was so lovely to hear Patricia Scanlon because her book City Girl was probably one of my um, first college reads um, and it was just so lovely to hear her on the show earlier Ah, she's great she's a wonderful lady and she is so loved by so many people and it's nice of you to mention her as well I know she'll really appreciate it look just in general terms you're representing the independent bookshops of the North East here on Late Lunch today you're working away Yes, we're doing us deliveries. Um, we're doing click and collect deliveries. Um, I just delivered to a lovely lady in Rothquill, so shout out to her. Um, and she, a lot of people cocooning, a lot of people just ringing in their orders. I'm, I got a van um, to do my deliveries in. I'm still not quite sure how to reverse with no rear view mirror, but we're getting there. Um, and it's just been busy. It's been busy. People are turning to reading. They really, really have embraced it so in a big way. And it's just, it's so lovely to see. Um, but what's nice to see is people going back to, as you said, their favorite books. And, and you know, they're coming in and they're ordering their favorite books for their children. So, you know, it's kind of a nice thing. It's really, really nice to see. A lot of Enid Blyton lately. Um, yeah, so it, it's a nice thing to see. Um, and I think everyone's kind of just waiting and waiting and waiting to get to April um, when, we, when we can all get started again. Yes. But, um, we still have World Book Day in the middle of all that. We so have. World Book Day is huge, huge for, mm. for, for kids. Mm. And I, I, really lo- I really enjoy it every year. But yeah. the kids come in with their vouchers and they get to pick their book. And that's, that's the importance of it. The children get to pick their book with their voucher. Um, so I think that's lovely as well. Yes, and we will be marking that day. It's coming up in March. You have a book. Uh, I, I, I set you a little homework. Now, I'm going to... This is a real test. I've been on Moonshore here now, and I'm going to test you. You're going to read a little excerpt for our listeners from a book. Tell us what book it is and the significance of what you're going to read. Okay, so... I was one of those teenagers in my first and second year that I suffered from severe anxiety. Um, um, so I turned to books. Well, I always read. I was a prolific reader anyway from about the age of six. But I turned to reading an awful lot more because I could finally walk down to my local library um, and I could, you know, go and browse the books and pick my books. So I have a I have a big raw for, for one particular book, which is probably an odd. And I started collecting them, actually, or editions of it. Um, in different languages from all over the world. Um, but basically, it's Journey to the Centre of the Earth by Joel Fern. Okay. It's my favourite book of all time. My God. And what's interesting is I read it, I think, when I was about 13. I think I was 30, it was the summer of first year that I would have read it. Um, and it just opened up so many, you know, we had to go to the library. This is pre-Google, guys. So we had, we had to go to the library. We wanted to see a picture of a volcano. Um <laughs> So this was a huge eye-opener from, from, you know, from my perspective. We, you know, I could walk the library, I could spend hours there. Um, but the, the journey to the centre of the earth just captured an imagination. And it was quite a, it, it, quite a difficult read to begin with because yeah. obviously, you know, it, it, it was written <laughs> quite a while ago. Um, but I just loved the whole concept, the whole idea that this, this, this whole world was potentially there. And was it there? Was it not there? Um, 
And it, it, it started as well. It's quite interesting. It started my uh, obsession with volcanoes as well. So um, I have climbed a number of volcanoes in Iceland as a result of this book. Um, so I think it just did inspire me to, um, to, to, to sort of... Uh, Find another world, as they say, yeah. um, for, for, for teenage angst. <laughs> okay, and I'm just looking, 1864. Yeah. That, this book was published in 1864, folks, and we're going to yeah. hear, right, you have a short excerpt, go on, read us a little I bit do. from it, will you? So, Chapter 12, A Barren Land. We had started under a sky overcast but calm. There was no fear of heat, none of disastrous rain. There was just the weather for tourists. The pleasure of riding on horseback over an unknown country made me t- easy to be pleased at our first start. I threw myself wholly into the pleasure of the trip and enjoying the freedom, the feeling of freedom and satisfied desire. I was beginning to take a real share in the enterprise. Besides, I said to myself, where's the risk? Here we are traveling to a most interesting company. We are about to climb a very remarkable mountain. At the worst, we are going to scramble down an extinct crater. <laughs> Lovely. And, and you know, today, I'm just listening intently to you there, ring through today as they did back way back then. So that's your favourite book of all time. Yeah. Is there another yeah. one or two just to mention them quickly? Is yes. there? Go on. I do. And I want to read one little excerpt from it. Okay. So, kind of uh, very, um, I won't say, my son would say the word juxtaposed. But anyway, um, <laughs> he's in college. He's still a lot of academic writing. Um, I loved The Secret Diary of Adrian Moe. Okay. Age 13 and three quarters. That's me. So I, <laughs> 13 and three quarters. I think a lot of your listeners will, if they're, if they're my vintage, they probably will remember this book. Um, and it came out in 19, I think it was 1992. Um, but I just, I love this book. And it's kind of a precursor maybe to David Williams. Um, yes. So it was, it's Sue Townsend. And she she's written quite a few books Um but I totally love it. And, and one of the things I really like about it as well is um, I'm a dyslexia tutor for students at second level. So I'm very much into finding books that, as your last, um, as your last uh, speaker said, um, guest said, about read something you're interested in. If you want to read or you're not into yes. reading, but find something you're interested in. Okay. So th- this one is very funny. Um, and it's done in the form of a diary, obviously, but... It just says, Wednesday, January 27th. My mother is holding her women's rights meeting in our lounge. I can't concentrate on my homework properly with all the women laughing and shouting and stamping up the stairs. They really are not a bit ladylike at all. (laughs) Brilliant. So the whole book, so it's very much about, uh, obviously, Adrian Moe, who's in love with Pandora, and he's 13 and three quarters. um, And he has all the same problems, maybe not not the same problems, obviously, no social media, but um, all the same problems as any 13 uh, and child. <laughs> Who had then when it was written today and tomorrow. They, these issues will always, you know, uh, you know well about w- w- when you're of that age. Have you, uh, is there another one you wanted to mention just as you're... You're, yeah, in you're... Yeah, I love The Secret Garden. Ah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and I think that's the favourite of a lot of people. It is. Um, and I know, um, I just think, again, it's, it's kind of like, I love the, the you know, the Verne's Tony Sent to the Earth. I think it's just one of those books, particularly if you can get it in an illustrated edition, that it just opens up the imagination for young readers who are just, 
starting out mm. and to find what the kind of thing, you know, what kind of books they like. What? I wouldn't necessarily stray away from classics just because they are classics. Yes, yes. Sense. Oh no, that makes eminent sense. Just from a bookshop point of view, what's selling like hotcakes at the moment? You know, we see the charts each week for fiction, for non-fiction, etc. What's the most popular book at the moment with you? Um, it's the, uh, sorry, The Survivors by Jane Harper. Okay. Flying out the door. And, and I think it's as much because our book club, when we had a book club yeah. <laughs> in the shop, we all love Jane Harper. Um, okay. So that's really popular, really, really popular. So that book is the, is the hot cake of the moment. Anyway, your website, give it, please. Academybooks.ie. It's as simple as that, folks. Academybooks.ie. And this woman loves books, love everything about it, and will look after you for sure. Irene, thank you. We're moving on on the show. I really appreciate you representing Wonderful. the bookshops today. Thank you, Irene. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Irene Gahan there from Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda. And on they go. Let me see what else I have here that's come into me. The island Victoria Hislop, says Susan McCauley, to school through the fields. Now, there's one going back. The wonderful Alice Taylor, says Helen Carraher today. Angel in My Hair by Lorna Byrne. Carol Dullahan loves that one. And so on and so on they go. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Uh, this special day, it's Ireland Reads Day. Welcome to the show if you're just joining us. Black Beauty by Anna Sewell, says a listener. Send me your name. You haven't got your name on the message there. Flowers in the Attic, says Anna Navin. Tilly Miles, she's nine. She loves coo by Jacqueline Wilson. Good guess yourself. Thank you for getting in touch with me. A Time to Kill by John Grisham, says Maddie. And Watermelon by Marion Keyes. Fiona Heaney loves and on we go. Ireland Reads Day today. The idea came from Libraries Ireland. It involves publishers, booksellers, authors and broadcasters like ourselves. And it comes under the auspices of the government's Keep Well campaign. So we have to head to the library now. Shh. It's Deirdre Broderick, Executive Librarian with Loud Library Services. Hello, Deirdre. Hi, Derry. Lovely to talk to you. That was a nice introduction. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's not like that I know anymore. Now, you do have to behave yourself, but you can't create a racket. I understand that, I'm sure, exactly. at the moment. Uh, it, it is quiet in the libraries, right? It, sure but is. it is indeed. Anyway, look, let's. Uh, there's a few things you want to get across in the time we have. Reading, it's for everyone, isn't it, Deirdre? Reading is for everyone. And as so many of your contributors have said this afternoon, read what interests you, you know, and that's the key to this. Um, to enjoying reading. And the point of this campaign is to help you relax. So do pick up something that you enjoy reading. It can be a recipe. It can be a nonfiction book, an autobiography, you know, whatever it is. Mm. Just pick it up, read it, switch off for a few minutes and it's good for your mental health. Yes, and we want everybody to do that today. Make a commitment today to read for five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you can because you will understand what Deirdre is saying. Now here, come here, come here, come here, tell me this. (laughs) Is this a rumour or a fact? On average, readers live four months longer than non-readers. It's true. It's been proved (laughs) via research. It was a piece of research called A Chapter is A and I just think it's the best excuse ever to go and pick up a book, isn't it? Mm, It is. I like it. (laughs) Any little bit extra we get, God, we'll go for it. So get reading, folks. It can add time to your (laughs) lifespan. It certainly will. Well, it will from the mental health point of view and the relaxation. It has to help you on all those fronts. Absolutely. We all know what it's like to switch off, you know, at the end of the day or even if you're on holidays, (laughs) you know, just sitting back down in your chair with a great book and 
Yes. Switching off for a few hours or even for half an hour. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, here's a theme that's been running through several of our guests and I, I'm sure you're going to pick up on it as well. Read what uh, interests you. We've heard this several times today, Deirdre. Absolutely. And um, that gentleman you had on earlier um, was so inspirational. His mm. story with um, learning to read and write. Um, Read what interests you. This is this is really the key, and it's the same with children. You know, I have two young kids myself, and they will reread stuff, and that's okay. You know, I think people think that maybe it's wrong to go back and read stuff that you've read before. I do it myself. I have books that I go back to, kind of for comfort reasons, I suppose. Yes. But read whatever interests you. Read to your children. Read anything. Read the newspaper. Sit down. Read a recipe book. Read a gardening book. It really doesn't matter. Um, there's such interest today with the campaign. It's fantastic to see. And you mentioned there earlier that you can pledge on. There's a dedicated website for this. It's IrelandReads.ie. Yep. That's been mentioned. And so far, I just checked before I come on. People have pledged to read in excess of 736,000 minutes. So wow. Today, so that's I don't know around 12,000 hours. I mean, that's just fantastic. And it's the first time that we've run this campaign. Yeah. So, you know, it's really promising and really heartwarming to see that reaction. I'll tell you how popular it was. It crashed this morning. I, I tried to get in there. It did genuinely, folks. They're working there and back up. But it did crash because so many people wanted to access it. But you mentioned something there, and I know it from experience. I have two granddaughters, mm-hmm. Ava in particular, uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, when she'd be staying yeah. with us. And if you changed a word, she'd point it <laughs> out to you. But she loved you to read it over and over over again yeah. and little yeah. Pippa she loves um, Baba Black Sheep and again she's much yeah. smaller again if you miss something they pick it up but they love the familiarity don't absolutely. they absolutely and I think we all do you know yes. even adults there's something you know it's, it must be something from childhood just repeating things there's a comfort in I go back over Agatha Christie's Dracula is a big favourite of mine and I will reread that probably at least mm. once a year there's just there's just something about the stories. Yeah, there's a comfort in it and there's a knowing in it as well. Now, the most important message, the doors of the libraries may be closed, but Mm -hmm. the services are there online. They are online. Um, We have a huge amount, thousands and thousands of titles that you can borrow. There's also magazines for people out there who, like I said, books aren't their thing. Magazines and newspapers might be their thing. They're all there as well to read. And also, we are still continuing with our housebound um, delivery service. So this is for people who are vulnerable or cocooning in our communities. And that's really, really still so popular and is keeping um, staff so busy. Mm. And if people want to access your services, just remind them again how simple it is. It's so simple. You can log on to our website um, or if you people would prefer to phone and talk to somebody, they can call the Dock Library on 042-9353-190. And it's absolutely free to join the library. It, it has been and it will continue to be. So it, it's probably never been easier than ever. No, it hasn't. And there is such an array of service and the people are so helpful. She'll just hear from Deirdre. They're all like Deirdre Broderick. They'll just <laughs> help you in every way they can because they want really to encourage you to use the services and read. We really do. We really yes. do. It, that's that's our, our bread and butter. And that's, I think, it's a vocation, I think, for library staff, you know, just to mm. help people and promote reading. Long live 
the library, I say Absolutely. today. And look, thank you so much for just uh, reminding us again that you're there, you're open, and people should avail of the wonderful services that are free, folks. Yes. Deirdre Broderick, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Derry. Thanks Very for much. joining me. She's an executive librarian with Loud Library Services. They keep coming to me, the messages. And just there, talking about books I'm familiar with, I did post on social media, me, with my magazine, Trout and Salmon. I've been buying that magazine since the late 70s. I bought every single copy. That's my fishing. And I have a gardening book there, The Vegetable Gardener. I bought that book 35 years ago. And yet this week, before the first week of March, I take it out again and reread it and remind myself of everything. There you are. That's just me. Late Lunch LMFM Radio after news, weather and sport at three. We continue the Adele story and we have a young lady who's a budding poet. Yes, I will tell you my favourite books. I did mention uh, The Tattooist of Auschwitz uh, by Heather Morris. I had the privilege of interviewing her here on the show. A remarkable story, a wonderful book, a tough read. I'll tell you another one I enjoyed in the last couple of years. Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Oh, brilliant, brilliant book, I have to say. And going back, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robert Sharma. It's a business fable, but a wonderful book too. They're just some that spring to mind as I think about books that I enjoyed recently. And going back to yourself as well, Apartment 2B, Finishing Touches, both of those, says Sharon, brilliant books. The Old Man Who Climbed Out of the Window by Jonas Johansson. Uh, Anne Clark says, uh, You Before Me, Jojo Mize, It's Brilliant, Jerry, says another listener, and so on and so on they go. Dear, uh, Damien Callan, thanks for the pick of the daffodils. They're beautiful. Grove Road, Carlingford, have a look. Damien Callan's daffodils are superb. Now, the book winners. Let me tell you who's getting a book each today, and it's a lucky pick. I'll just randomly send you out one of these five lovely books that I have. I'm sending books today to Grania Lynn. She nominated Withering Heights as her book. Uh, P.S. I Love You by Celine Ahern by um, Cecilia I beg your pardon Ahern. Gwen Kearns there's a book for you as well today. Catherine Murray, Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zavon and Tin Roof Blowdown by James Lee Burke. Catherine, I have a book for you too. I also have books for, for Maria Mullet. Black Beauty is her book and Maddie, A Time to Kill. And I'm going to dig out appropriate books for Tilly Miles. She's only nine, but I have books and I'll be in touch and we'll organise those to get you. Congratulations to all. Thanks to everybody who joined in the fun. Now, the Adele story. Following on from the release of her third album, 25, in late 2015, her first multi-country tour since 2011 was announced for 2016, the highlight being her appearance at Glastonbury on the main pyramid stage to an audience of 150,000. I have it saved at home. I'll never delete it, I promise. The tour continued into 2017, but ended in disappointment for fans when she cancelled the final two dates of four sold-out Wembley shows in London because of vocal problems. Her fourth album has been long in the making, and despite many false dawns, including a September 2020 release date, it still hasn't materialised. Adele herself confirming recently that all was on hold because of COVID. She gave birth to a baby boy called Angelo James in October 2012 with partner Simon Konecki, who she subsequently married but divorced in 2019. And as you know, Adele has suffered from postnatal depression, anxiety disorder and panic attacks, which she's openly spoken about, and all of which... She has weaved into her songs and music. So today, from the album 21, inspired by a broken relationship, it's the forever ballad, Someone Like You.
Adele. Ireland reads today. Adele can sing and write and perform. She's simply magical. We conclude the Adele story on Late Lunch with a song and more about her around about this time tomorrow. Yes, it is Ireland Reads, Ga- Reads Day. Thank you so much for your uh, joining in in the show with us today, all who've been in touch with us. And we're heading to our final break and we're going to finish off with a young lady who's written a remarkable poem. My final guest on Ireland Reads Day special on Late Lunch is 13 years of age. She attends Ballamakenny College just outside Drogheda and her name is Maisie Kelly and she's on the line. Hello Maisie. Hello. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Now you've written this most wonderful poem that you're going to read for me in a moment. But will you tell our listeners the story behind the poem, how it came about? Yes, of course. Um... About two or three weeks ago, I had an assignment from my English teacher, and that assignment was to write a poem of my choice. And I decided to base it on um, the perspective of a prisoner um, in a concentration camp from World War II, because I've always been very interested in that topic. And the book, the name of the book that inspired you and the author is? The Choice by Edith Eager. And this woman had written about her experience uh, from a concentration camp, or is it somebody else in her family, or hers directly, Maisie? No, it's hers directly. Hers She's directly. The author of the book, yeah. And, and you've written to this woman yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I emailed her only a few days ago about it. Yeah, I did. So you've been in touch with her. Did you hear anything back yet? I haven't, actually. I'm not sure if I will. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I will. Yeah, I think you will. I think you will. It might take her a little time to get round because her experiences uh, are well known. And I'd say she's busy with responding to lots of people because of the book and the story. So this touched you deeply and you decided to pen a poem. Have you written poetry before? I've always been uh, very interested in story writing and uh, writing poems, but this was like the the first poem that I'd um, written that I was actually happy with. And um, I was actually really happy with it when I submitted it to my teacher. I ain't surprised because it touched me (laughs) immensely as soon as I received (laughs) it and read it. Would you do us the honour of finishing this special show off today by reading us this poem? It's called Tomorrow. Yes, of course. I believe there is something so wonderful beyond the endless barbed wire. For there is a heart-wrenching dream that my soul so greatly desires. I wish to embrace the beauty of the early morning sun. I wish to see the faces of the untroubled beloved young. I wish to touch the petals of the flourished, thriving flowers. I haven't seen such elegance in so many months and hours. Oh, to recall the feeling of peace no suffering, distress or pain. If only the world wasn't so blind to the prisoners enduring such shame. Yet amidst all of my despair and the future I cannot foresee, I pray that if I survive today, tomorrow I shall be free. It's marvellous, I have to say, and so <laughs> so so touching. It, it, it really is. And just to tell you that I mentioned a book called The Tattooist of Auschwitz, and uh, this is in your area of interest of reading. And last year, before lockdown, it was the last trip I made was uh, to Poland, and I visited Auschwitz. And I can tell you, my word, what an experience that was. And I'm sure you will with your interest someday. The, your, your words are beautiful, uh, Maisie. They really are, and so touching. And I, 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 I'll have a bet with you. 
that Edith, <laughs> this will mean an awful lot to Edith as well, who wrote the original book, uh, The Choice. The, you know, having, you know, read the books and, and, and your, your interest in this area, and you're very young, you're only 13, you're starting out in your life. Uh, <laughs> it's important, you know, to remember those times. How do you feel about those times when you read and know more about it? I love reading. I think it's an amazing escape from reality if you're ever stressed or especially reading these books. Um, I've always been very intrigued by um, the experiences of these survivors um, from World War II and even World War One, But um, especially World War II books, I've always been really interested in reading those books. Mm. And the people, how they came through. You know, Maisie, at the moment, uh, I don't have to tell you, been off school and I'm sure you're eager to get back, how difficult it is for you and your parents and grandparents and everybody at this time. And I don't want to ever take away from that, even though I try to encourage people to look ahead uh, with confidence. But when you think and read and you more than most will understand what these people came through and how they survived. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely amazing. And um they're such an inspiration to me. It literally shows that um, you have full control of your life and um, it's all in your mindset, really. Mm, mm, it really is. And that's what you have to uh, just get right. The teacher was impressed. I'm mightily impressed. I'm sure all our <laughs> listeners listening today are impressed as well. And, you know, you mentioned earlier on, you, 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 you put down words, but it's like Patricia Scanlon was mentioning to us earlier, writer's block, and she's had to go back and stop. And that's the nature of this business. You understand that now. You have to work at it to get it to the stage that tomorrow that beautiful verse is. It's lovely. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. No, not at all. I congratulate you. And I look forward uh, to more inspirational words emerging from you down the road as well. This uh, says to me you have a real talent. You really do. And I wish you well. Uh, with it and thank you today for finishing off this wonderful show by reading tomorrow to our listeners thanks a million Maisie and thank you for joining me thank you so much take care of yourself bye 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 that's the lovely Maisie Kelly there oh she's from talented stock her dad Shane and her mum they're wonderful people and granny Geraldine Geraldine Kelly I want to say hello to her today Such such people, they're really great people. And this young one, she certainly has the talent. That's it today on a special, a once-off special late lunch on Ireland Reads. Go read today, even if it's only a paragraph, a newspaper, a magazine, a book. Go do it, do it, commit to it today. And I promise you, it'll make a little difference in your life. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with the dry, wonderful music for the next couple of hours. And tomorrow on late lunch, oh, no holes barred. We have Kira Burke and John Cairns running the rule over the hot topics on of the day. Rick Cronje is with us with some lovely springtime wine recommendations. And riddles. Are you any good at your riddles? We have the Riddler with us tomorrow on Late Lunch. Have a lovely evening. I'm away for me walk. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.